to go down them. I will, in fact, I will just blaze trails. Uh, anyway, um, about a year ago, uh, sometime in January, the, the Lord had been speaking to me about um, a direction for my year. And uh, one of the things that the Lord had put on my heart was to understand His love for me, right? I, I wanted to understand what is God's love all about. And as I began to pursue that over, over months and months of studying in God's Word, that, the subject of love, led me into the subject of grace, because how many of you know that God's love and God's grace are, are intertwined, right? His, his love is expressed through His grace. And so um, a couple of months ago, I began what would eventually turn into a, a series, a three-part series on the subject of grace, and that's what we have here, the title of Grace Changes Everything. And I absolutely believe that when we understand, when we come to the place of understanding what God's grace truly is and what it means for us, it will change every facet of life. It'll change the way we view the world. It'll change the way we parent our kids. It'll change the way we, we do our job at work. It'll change every aspect of our being. And for me, it's, it's been, it's been life-shaping. And uh, so I just want to continue to, we're going to jump into part two of Grace Changes Everything today, and the next week we'll wrap that up. Pastor Terry says hi. Uh, him and Lisa are off on, on some time away just to refresh and regroup, and um, so I'm going to be filling in for the next few weeks, and I'm happy. It's good to be able to see you guys. All right, here we go. Um, I'm going to start off by reading Malachi chapter three. Uh, let me back up. I'm going to talk about grace. Then we'll, then we'll read this. Oh, I tricked you. You could stay on it if you want to. Uh, grace. Here, here's the thing about grace. We all know that God is a triune God, right? We, we serve the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Grace, it's no coincidence to me that grace is a triune word. Grace means three things. Grace is the attitude of God towards you. Grace is the evidence through gifts of that attitude, right? Gifts, the Bible tells us anytime you read about gifts in the New Testament, it's referring to something very specific. It is the evidence of God's attitude towards you and to me. Grace is God's attitude towards us. It's his gifts that support the attitude, and it is our response, gratitude. Three parts. Next week, we're going to talk about gratitude, but I wanted to lead in with that because that's going, to, that's going to make a difference in how we perceive what's shared today. But Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, I was reading this week, and this verse just kind of jumped off the page at me, and the, the Holy Spirit just began poking my heart about it, and so I wanted to share it with you. It says, for I am the Lord, and I do not change. That's why you're not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, he's talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments and the law, you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? And as I was reading this, uh, here's, here's the thing. This is, this is a statement that God made to Israel, the children of Israel, right? Um, the reason this applies to us is because 
Just like Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. His character remains the same. His heart remains the same. And I love what he says here, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That's why you're not consumed, because I am for you and I'm not against you. But here's the part that stood out to me. At the end of this, it says, return to me and I will return to you. But you said, in what way shall I return? I believe that there are so many people who are in this place where they want to return to God. I believe in the book of Romans, it tells us that innately, every one of us in all of creation know that God is. That God is. And we have been on this collision course away from God towards sin ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden. And God has been doing everything He can to draw us back to Him, right? And, and I think that innately, every single person in the world has a call and a desire to know God. The most strict atheist has something burning in their soul that says, I want to know. I want to know God. And for those, for those who are wounded, for those who are brokenhearted, we all have this, this thing that says, I want to be in relationship with, with Jesus. I want to be in relationship with God, but what do I do to return? What do I do to get back to that place of, of intimacy, intimacy with God and friendship with God? And maybe it's something that you've never experienced, but it's something that in your soul is crying out saying, I want to experience that. And just like the Israelites were saying, what do we do to get back? And so today, I want to address the thing that could be keeping us apart, because that's not God's heart for us. God's heart is to have intimacy with us and walk in relationship with us. And I believe for every person, that's our desire too. But it's complicated sometimes, isn't it? I know people who, who at one point walked in a relationship with Jesus, and because of life, absolutely handing it to them came to the place where they said, I cannot believe that God exists. I cannot believe that God would allow this stuff to happen, right? Their worldview, the lens that they viewed the world through or they viewed God through, things didn't line up. Things didn't make sense, right? It was like beer goggles. All of a sudden, everything got blurry and, and they were like, things are not lining up. It's complicated. I want to know God, but I'm, I'm, there's a disconnect. And so I absolutely believe that God wants to, wants to bring healing and restoration to the things that bring division between us and Him. Let's pray. It's a good place to start, right? Heavenly Father, today, as we come before You and we spend time getting into Your Word, Lord, I pray that today You would bring um, peace, Lord, to areas in our lives where we feel separated from You, Lord, for those who have come to a place where they're living maybe a little bit of arm's length away from you, Lord, I pray today, Jesus, that you would speak to our soul about how we can draw near to you because it's your desire to draw near to us. So, Lord, today as we get into your word, Lord, refresh us, restore us, Bring life and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So when I was young, uh, 15 and a half, 15, I, I thought getting a driver's license was going to be absolute freedom for my life. In fact, I was, I, I, every single day I was, I was bent on what can I do as I get closer to, to getting a, this, this driver's license to be prepared for this, right? Because I was, I was thinking this bike is going away. I'm entering into a new season of life and of freedom, and I cannot wait for it. And so um, I, I got to that point of getting my license, and I, I had this tremendous blessing in that uh, there was some complications with our car, and a family friend let me use his Porsche for, our, uh, for, for my driver's test. And uh, I thought that was extremely cool. So fr- from, from that point on, I've had an affinity for sports cars, and uh, yeah, that was actually really cool. Uh, long story there, I'll tell you about it another time. But, um, you know, I, I got my license and I remember going through all the tests and getting that card and thinking, this is the sign of freedom. But you know what I realized after that was freedom didn't come with this card. It came from the attitude that my parents had towards me about letting me use the car. Right? My, the attitude my parents had towards me about helping me pay for insurance and paying for gas and all the things that were involved in, in being able to use the car. And so over time, I began to develop a, um, a, a skill into reading my parents' attitude towards me, <laughs> right? I mean, I, you, you, there came a point where you had to know when to ask to borrow the car, you didn't just at random go up and say, hey, can I borrow the car? Where's the keys? Right? You, I would approach my parents at the right strategic time, maybe after I unloaded the dishes, maybe uh, after I got a report card that was favorable, right? But, but there, was, there were things involved that had to do with my perception of uh, how my parents viewed whether or not I should use the car, right? And, and it typically had something to do with um, my behavior. It typically had something to do with, had I earned trust, right? And so that was kind of a big deal. Um, it's easy to have the perception that God's attitude towards us is based on our behavior. Because we live in a culture of do good, get good. Do bad, get bad, right? That's the culture that we live in. And it doesn't help that in, in our, our, our worldview from growing up, we live in, in a nation that is built on laws and consequences, right? If, if, I, if I do good, if, I, if I'm a person who is, who is giving, if I consider other, other people as more important than myself, that produces good things, right? right? The golden rule is something that's, that's important in our culture, Right? We want to live by the golden rule because it's going to produce good things. But we also know that if, if, I, if I steal, if I lie, if I, if I do things that we consider to be bad, it's going to produce bad things in my life, right? And we can even go back to, to, the, to the moral law in the Old Testament and see that God told the Israelites that if you obey my commands, it's going to produce life. And if you choose to not, it'll produce death. In the New Testament, it says, for the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we have a, we've grown up in a culture of, of 
good and bad, right and wrong. And in fact, as, as a parent, and some of you who are parents here, uh, one, of, one of our struggles has been how do we raise kids in a culture of right and wrong, good and bad, to be children of faith? Because the Bible says the just will live by faith, right? So we want to teach our kids to be, to be not only children, but young adults and grown-ups of faith don't we? But we live in this culture that is so overwhelmingly uh, saturated with good gets good, bad gets bad, right? And, and we want to teach our kids, because of our sin nature, we, we, we spend a lot of time trying to teach our kids to do, to do the good thing, to do the right thing, don't we? Right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, do what you're told, all those kind of things, but we want to produce faith in them. And so um, there's some things that, that Angie and I have come up with that, um, that we feel are, are, uh, have been important in helping develop faith in our kids. One of them is uh, we want to model obedience while requiring it, right? We want to model obedience while requiring it. It's important for our kids to see that we are submitted to an authority, because we expect them to submit to the authority, us, right? But it's so important for us to model for them the authority that we're submitted to, and that's our Heavenly Father. And so for them to hear the Word of God and to know that, you know what, guys? We need to submit to this. It's important for them to see that. And so we want to we model submitting to our Heavenly Authority, because if we don't come to the place of learning how to submit to authority, it, it breaks something. It takes us out from underneath God's best for us. And so we want to model that for our kids. We want to model, here's what obedience looks like, but we also want to require it. Because here's the thing, when we require our kids to be obedient, they're not just being obedient to us, they're being obedient through faith to God. Because after all, God's the one who tells our kids, children, obey your parents. Right, And so it's not just them being obedient to us, it's them walking in faith towards their God. So we're going to model that for them, and we're going to point them towards it, right? and we're going to hold them accountable to it. So that's one thing. And then a, a, another thing that we're doing is we want to model prayer with our kids, to our kids, and we want to celebrate the answers. They might not be the answer we want, but we want to celebrate it with them. Uh, Here's a, here's a, a um, just kind of a real simple example. So um, months ago, uh, I felt the Lord kind of poking me in the heart about, about something, and, and I'm just going to be real, real transparent with you. So I, I have a, had a Cadillac Escalade. I love that car. And, and months ago, I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, Seth, I think it's time to maybe move on, something different. And I thought, I don't think so. <laughs> it can't be. That's, Lord, that's comfortable. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's, time to, it's time to move on to something else. I don't know, Lord. Maybe that's not the Lord. And uh, over uh, the period of a few, a few months, the Lord had begun just kind of moving my heart about a, a particular subject that kind of surrounded this stupid car. And 
Uh, so we were on vacation and something happened and, and it, it, it caused the priority to bump up a little higher to uh, moving away from this car. And so we decided, hey, you know what? We want to involve our kids in this because this is an opportunity to model for them prayer, right? We want to model for them uh, how do we pray about a situation and trust the Lord to move us on to, to, to his, his, his best for us. And so we began to pray about this car thing and the Lord did some things. And my kids were able to see the process of, of trusting the Lord and seeing the result. And that was a very easy quick solution, right? But it was something that, um, that we were able to involve our, our, our kids in. And for them, they got to see the Lord do something. And there are certain things in, in our kids' lives that are appropriate for us to pray with them, to invite them into prayer with us so that we can walk through the process of praying and seeing the Lord answer prayer. Um, there are also some things that are not weight for them to carry, Right? And so it's important for us to use wisdom, to use discernment, and, and, and to ask the Lord whether or not certain things are, are appropriate for them to carry on their shoulders, right, when it comes to prayer. There are some things that as parents, we just need to pray, and we need to believe, and we need to press through. And we can celebrate at the end of that with our kids, but, but some things may not be a weight that they're meant to carry, right? And so it's important for us to, to weigh that out before we just say, hey, guys, why don't you come and pray with me about this? Because there's some things that... Um, may take longer than uh, they've even been alive, <laughs> right? And so uh, for a culture that's very microwave and chop-chop, and let's, let's see something now, when, when we don't see results as young people, sometimes our faith can waver, where as, as adults, and we've been around long enough, and we've walked with the Lord long enough to know that His time is not my time, right? The Lord is using the process to develop and shape something of life for the future, and that may take longer than just bada-bing, bada-boom, right? So uh, be, be wise about what we ask our kids to join in prayer with, but, but look for opportunities, right? We want to look for opportunities to pray with our kids and to celebrate the answers together. When the Lord answers a prayer, talk with them about it. Write it down. Uh, we started a box. We, we call it our, kind of our gratitude box or our blessing box. We stuck it by the TV, and anytime the, the, the Lord answers a prayer, or he does something in our lives that's a blessing, right? We want to show gratitude. And so we'll, we'll write a sticky note and we'll stick it in that, in that box. And at the end of the year, um, we're going to pull that box out and, and open that thing up and, and read through those things as a reminder of here's some things that God has done throughout our year. And I imagine that we're going to look through that and think, oh, wow, I totally forgot about that thing, right? But it's so good to remember it, right? Remembering is so important. I mean, that's, that's a spiritual principle in God's Word, remembering the things that God has done. It, it has deep impact in our lives. That's for another day. But um, see, here's the thing that, that I'm getting at. When we develop um, legalistic habits because of our worldview, because of our, the cultural influence that we have, we know we're to be people of faith, but our lives are so ingrained in legalism and do good, get good are so ingrained in, in our nature and who we are, right? That when we decide to be people of faith and begin exercising our faith, there's something that happens. The enemy begins to come and he whispers to our ears about our failures and about our insecurities and about the areas where we're not seemingly doing good enough. 
And because of this thing that's ingrained in us, this legalistic do good or I'm not or, 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 or so I can please God, or, or if I'm not doing the best, then maybe I'm not pleasing the Lord. If we have that ingrained in us, what happens when the enemy comes and whispers to us is we begin to respond. And we typically respond in one of three ways. We respond out of anger. We respond in fear. Or we respond out of shame. These are three areas that... that as the enemy begins to lie to us about God's perception of us or his attitude towards us, we began to, to own these things. And what happens, let me give you some examples. Um, when we respond out of anger, we began to, to, to think, God doesn't accept me. And for, for, for those who, who lean towards anger, what happens is we take God not doing things our way sometimes as God rejecting us. And we need to know that that's not the case. But what happens is the enemy will begin lying to us and we, and we can get angry about it. And it, it just produces something that, is, that causes us to, to do this to God. It causes us to take a step back and, and begin distrusting. Sometimes we can say, God, you allowed this thing to happen or I deserve better. There's an example, um, I, I love this, this character in, in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5 uh, named Naaman. Naaman was the commander of uh, the armies of the king of Aram, the Bible tells us. And Naaman had leprosy. And he had, he had a skin disease that was ultimately going to kill him. And he, he I'll kind of speed through the story real quick, but um, he had heard that there was a prophet in Israel who uh, could heal him who God would heal him through through this prophet. And so he, he went to the prophet and he says, uh, hey, um, I've got leprosy. And the Lord spoke to, to Elijah and said, all right, I want you to go wash in a particular river seven times and the Lord's gonna heal you. And he became angry about it. And he said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I do that? That, that river's terrible. There's all sorts of better rivers where I'm from. Why can't I wash in those, right? He, he had a perception of how God should do things, and when God didn't do what he wanted to do, when, when the way that he thought it should be done, he became angry. There was a whole lot of things happening in Naaman at that point. And so what happened is there came a place where his servant said to him, hey, uh, sir, if God would have told you to go do all this magical, miraculous stuff and do this big fancy dance and, and go, go wash in the, 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 the clearer river with better streams or whatever, wouldn't you have done it? But there came a place where Naaman had to submit to God's leadership in his life and say, you know what? It doesn't have to be my way. See, what happens is, is Naaman came under the grace of God when he realized it doesn't have to be my way and I'm not being rejected, I'm being received. See, when we walk in obedience to God, we're walking, we're re being received by Him, right? We're, we're walking in His best. The Bible tells us that God wants to lead us down the best pathway of our life and it's gonna come when we begin to, to surrender to Him. And so as Naaman begins to surrender to God, what happens is he, he, he walks in obedience and he's healed. 
And then some profound things happen in Naaman's life. And one of the things Naaman says, um, this, I mean, this guy's wealthy, and he tells Elijah, hey, I'd like to give you, uh, you know, I'd like to give you $500 million. Thanks. And, he, and, and Elijah says, no, we're good. And he says, well, let me do this one thing. Let me take two donkeys full of dirt. That's like a truck, right? <laughs> I'm going to take two truckloads of dirt. Here's why. Because he wasn't from Israel. He was from a, a, another place. And he said, you know what? I can't come here and stay because I'd like to, but I can take Israel with me as, a, as to remind me of God's grace towards me. See, when he began to come underneath the authority of a loving God, when he began to come underneath grace and realize it wasn't about him, right? Something changed in him. And you can see throughout the, the, the book of 2 Kings uh, more of the story of Naaman and some things where you can see his heart completely changed and amazing things happen because he began to come underneath the grace of God. Fear, right? Sometimes we fear that God may let me down. I can't trust God because if God gives as much as I give, and I know I don't give 100%, maybe he won't come through when I need him to. Right, that's fear. That's that's thinking that that God's God's not going to come through. Gideon is an example in Judges chapter six. Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, so that the 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 enemy won't find him and and, and take his his supply of food essentially for his family. And he's in there and he's wrestling with whether or not he, he's he's wrestling with. God's not going to do anything. Where's the miracles that, that our fathers told us about? I just, I just don't feel it. I don't see it. And so he's hiding out. And the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. And he says, greetings, mighty man of valor. Here's a guy hiding in fear. Right? And God shows up to him and says, you are a mighty man of valor, right? He didn't speak to his todays, he spoke to his tomorrows because God viewed him in grace, not in legalism. And he says, you know what? It's not about you. It's not about where you're at. It's about what I'm doing in you to bring you to a place of, of life, and a place of healing, a place of restoration, Right, And God begins to shape something in him and anoint him to become the leader of the armies of Israel to defeat their enemies. Right, Somebody who is hiding in fear, living at arm's length from God. And then shame. What if he sees my failures? I can't get too close because if he truly sees the things that are in me, he'll reject me. Right, that's, that's shame. That's a response of shame. I mean, the, the, the classic, classic example would be Adam and Eve, right? When Adam and Eve failed to be obedient to God, they went and hid in the bushes. And the Bible tells us in the cool of the day, God was walking through, through, the, through the garden and says, Adam, where are you guys at? And Adam says, we're in here. The bushes. Why are you in the bushes? Because we're naked. Who told you you're naked? 
Well, it just kind of came to us, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they were hiding because they, were, they had this sense of shame. But you know what? Out of God's grace, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the, the, the whole um, topic of sacrifice came from this part in the garden where God went and slayed an animal to, build, to, to make clothing for Adam and Eve to hide their shame, right? What God told the Israelites to do for, for generations by way of sacrifice was to remember His covering over them because of His grace, right? Adam and Eve didn't earn it. God loved them so much He wanted to cover their shame. And He does the same thing for us. He wants to cover our shame. See, the thing is, when we react out of anger towards God, when we react out of fear or out of shame, what happens is, like I said, we begin to, 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 to begin living at arm's length from God. We begin pushing Him back. We begin, our trust for God begins to diminish. And God wants to bring us to a place where, where we're embraced, where we're embracing Him and we're in this intimate relationship together. And we can be free of anger, we can be free of fear, we can be free of shame. These things that keep us apart from God. And uh, like I mentioned, the topic that we're talking about is grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, the entire book of Ephesians is a book about the, su- the subject of grace. In fact, it probably covers grace more than any other book in, in the New Testament. And here's the thing. The first two chapters, Paul is addressing the subject we just talked about. Things that cause us to feel pushed away from God. Things that keep us apart. And then he lands on Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not by anything you do. It's a gift from God. And then there's this interlude we see in in, in chapter 3, verse 14, that I want to read to you. And then chapter 4 on, it's what we're going to talk about next week, which which is... the response. Paul talks about what's our response to God's grace. All right, so let me read this to you. Ephesians chapter, 14, or chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Holy Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right, not through legalism, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what Paul's essentially telling them is that all the things that you feel are between you and God. The things that keep you from getting close to Him and feeling like there's a distance, a span, right? Just like the Israelites said, what shall we do to return? Paul tells them, I want you to come to the place where you understand the magnitude of the love that God has for you apart from anything you can do. 
to understand that God's attitude towards you is favor. It's love. It's acceptance. It's, it's receiving you. And like I said a little earlier, that, that grace is three parts, right? It's the attitude of God towards us, his favorable attitude towards us through Jesus. It's his gifts that, that are evidence of his attitude. Listen to what he says here in verse 20. He says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So what he's saying is that we can go to God anytime because his attitude towards us is grace. We can go to him anytime and he's able to do abundantly above anything we could ask or think because of his attitude towards us. So this morning, I'm going to take just a minute. I've asked uh, Alec to come up and, and play for a few minutes. Um, I believe today that there are, there are some of us here today who feel like what, we, what we've been talking about. God, I, I want to be near to you, but there's something that's, that's in between us. There's something that's in the way. And for some of you today, you might be wrestling with anger towards God. You're angry at God because of something that, that happened where, where it didn't go the way that you thought that it would. And God wants you to know that, that he loves you. And understand today that when God doesn't do the things the way we want him to, he hasn't rejected you. He's leading you towards your best out of love and grace for you and me. And I'll tell you, that, that is, my feet are both planted firmly in a lifestyle of, of wrestling with this subject. Because I have, my nature says, I have a plan, God. And here's where we're going. And the Lord regularly says, hold on. Seth, I love you. We're not going to go that way. And it took me a long time to realize God's not rejecting me. He's leading me. I have to come underneath that authority. And when I do... Amazing things happen. Blessing happens. Because God is being faithful to his promise to lead me down the best pathway of my life. Maybe today you're wrestling with fear of maybe what if God doesn't come through? I want you to know today that God loves you and he's faithful. He is absolutely faithful. And he will see you through. And maybe today you're wrestling with, what if God sees me for who I really am? The things that are secret, the things that are down in there that, that we say, you know what, I, nobody knows about this. I want you to know that God sees those things and he's bringing healing. He's bringing healing. And so I want to pause for just a minute. We're going we're gonna to spend a few more minutes I'm going, to, I'm going to read some promises to you here, but um, before we do, I'd like to pause a minute and pray. Would that be all right? Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. 
And Lord, every single one of us wrestle with the lie of the enemy that would come to us and say, you're not good enough. But Lord, your word tells us that we don't have to be because Christ was. And Jesus, today, we lean on you. So Lord, today I want to pray for those who have come to a place of having distance between them and you because of anger. And Father, I pray for peace in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for your loving arms to gently lead them to the place of surrender. Lord, we put our trust in you to lead us the way that we should go. Lord, for those who are, who are in fear, Lord, that somehow you're not going to meet them where they need you to meet them. And Father, I pray that today for freedom from that in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and common sense. And Jesus, it's by your grace and your love towards us that you carry us. And so Lord, I thank you that the weight of provision rests on you. Lord, the weight of answered prayer rests on you because you've taken it through your grace. And you've told us in your word that you can do far greater than we can ask or think because of your grace towards us. And Lord, for those who, who have something in their life, Lord Jesus, that, that would cause them to be downcast in their soul. Lord, I pray for refreshing. I pray for peace and I pray for life. Lord, I pray for forgiveness. Lord, that they would come to the sense of forgiveness isn't about them. It's about what you've done. And they are forgiven. Lord, now bring life and restoration. And Lord, anything that we have in our lives, Lord Jesus, that would, that would keep you at arm's length, Lord, I pray right now that you bring, that you bring freedom from those things, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. So what does grace mean for you? That regardless of our shortcomings, when we believe, when we put our trust in Jesus, one, he's interceding for you. That Christ is interceding for you. There'll be a scripture up here on the screen in just a second. I'm not, I'm not going to read them, but feel free to read over these scriptures. And I'm just going to read through these and I'm going to tell you what they are. But he's interceding for you. What does that mean? That means that for all time, because of what Christ did on the cross, that Jesus is between our Heavenly Father and us, bridging the gap. For all of time. What Christ did on the cross superseded to the beginning of time and will continue until time ends. He's bridging the gap. He's interceding for you. There's nothing that's going to get in the way. 
Nothing you do can get in the way of that when you put your trust in Jesus. He's for you. He's not against you. Our feelings tell us otherwise often. Right? Because, again, because of this legalistic sense of I haven't done good enough. Right? You need to know that Christ, Christ's attitude towards you isn't based on you. It's based on him and what he's done for you, not what you could ever do. That's why when we put our trust in him, he is for you and not against you. He's singing over you. I always thought this was kind of funny. He's singing over you. What does that mean? That means he sees not who you are today, but is proclaiming victory over you for your tomorrows. It's a dance of victory. Anytime in scripture where you see somebody dancing in celebration, it's for victory. When Jesus sings and dances over you, it's a a declaration of victory in your life because he sees you have already won in him. He's singing over you in victory. He believes the best about you. You may not believe the best about yourself, but you need to hear today that God believes the best about you. Love hopes all things, believes all things about you. You need to hear that today. God believes the best about you. He's at work within you. He hasn't left you to be just where you're at, stuck. He's already at work in you through a process called sanctification, making us more like Christ while we're accepted and received as though we were. That's a big deal. He sees you. Father God sees you as he sees Christ. And at the same time, knows our shortcomings and our failures and is lifting us to the place to be like Christ in our freedom. It's a big deal. Because again, it's not what, how God views you and me is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon the work of the cross that's already been, already been done, right? God is available to you God is available to you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, right? He is available to you. Ask. Ask. He is is ready and waiting to hear what you would have to say. Because he's for you, not against you. Right? So here's why this, all this is important. Here's why I'm talking about legalism and, and doing good and getting good, doing bad and getting bad, and why that stuff is kind of important because, because we live in this culture. But when it comes to walking with Jesus, it's about faith. Right? It's not about that stuff. It's about faith. We want to be people of faith, not held back by legalism. Right? We want to be people who are free 
in our walk with Jesus. And it comes through faith and it comes through understanding that his attitude towards you has nothing to do with what you do, but who you are in him. End of story, right? It's important because our perception of his attitude will determine your faith's altitude. Our perception of his attitude will determine our faith's altitude. You ever feel like your faith can't get off the ground? It's because our perception of him is that he is judging us based on our goodness. When our faith struggles, that is the reason. I'll say it again. When our faith struggles, it's because somehow we're attaching whether or not God would be on our side with how good am I? And we need to end that today. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in us to bring us to a place of understanding that it's not about what you do. It's about who you are in Him through faith in Christ. Because God wants your faith to soar. He wants your trust in Him to be unlimited. For you to know that when you pray, God is for you. He's not against you. He's the yes and amen of heaven in your circumstance. So, I'm going to end with a question real quick. How do we know we've received God's grace? How do we know when we've received God's grace? We're going to talk about it next week. So, hope to see you back. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your grace towards us.